0: Welcome to The Growth Connection, a podcast to help us all look forward to this year with a growth mindset. We'll feature interviews with CMI's elite roster of experts in the areas of diversity, leadership, the future, mentorship, performance, teamwork, and inspiration. On today's show.
1: Well, welcome, Mike. I have been tasked with uh, the job of interviewing you on Mastery. We all,
0: in one way or another, seek and value mastery. There's a level of world-class mastery. There's also personal mastery.
1: Mastery makes the competition irrelevant.
0: The real competition is with yourself.
1: Well, welcome, Mike. I have been tasked with uh, the job of interviewing you on mastery for this podcast, and, and this is a speaker interviewing a speaker, so this this should be really interesting. Sure,
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, and, and it could be just as easily
1: me interviewing you on mastery. So I just want people to know. Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm really curious. Well, why don't we start here, Mike? What define mastery, and then the def- the benefits of mastery. For, for people who, who, you know, may not be in a job where they think I, I should master what I'm doing or, or so. So what is mastery? First of all,
0: it's the highest level of excellence. It's the quintessential uh, manifestation of your abilities in, in your greatest area of expertise. And so I look at mastery, the benefits of it are uh, we all in one way or another seek and value mastery. We may not mm. know it, but trust me, if you're having a heart operation, you want the best surgeon on the planet. You want the master. You don't want the guy who got C's in class. You don't want the guy who got B's or even B pluses. You want the A plus the guy who's best on the planet. And so obviously with health, I'm making an extreme example there. But the same thing, if you go to Carnegie Hall, you want to hear a master perform. If we if we come to your program, we want to hear mastery on communication and the, and the vision visual ways that you illustrate. We want we don't want to see your B show. We don't want to see <laughs> We want to see the best. And so people innately um value that. And so the value of offering that is that you're sought after is that you get to mm. perform at venues or in the greatest uh, mediums for your art form or business or whatever it is that you are gifted with.
1: That's one of the benefits of mastery, right? Is that you, there'll be a high demand for whatever it is that you offer. Do you think there are other benefits to mastery as well? I think there's a personal
0: benefit. Uh, hmm. what I've done in a lot of the you know as speakers we're into personal development so looking at what our gifts are our purpose our talents and that kind of thing how what our what our innate design is um, I found that there are two words it's great because I had a mission statement I had I, I've taught this for years and I did a program with a friend of mine which revealed some things I hadn't realized. There's two words that stand out in just my design. One is mastery and the other is transformation. And so uh, personally, for me, when I feel like I've done something on a masterful level or I've done something that I feel like creeps into the world of mastery, and I do say creeps into because it's very difficult, um, I feel great. It makes me, it's a, it's a personal satisfaction that that goes uh, beyond anything else for me. And I would assume that, and although I'm not putting myself in this category, I'm assuming hmm. this would be for a Michael Phelps or for yeah. uh, anyone who's, you know, Mar- Martina Navratilova in her day, uh, whom I got to interview about this, by the way, um, to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's reached the, the, uh, the upper echelons of what they do, I imagine they just love the fact that they're there. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. And what do you think a lot of people pursue mastery? Do you think this is something that a lot of people do? What, what are your thoughts on that? And if people you don't think people do, why don't people pursue it?
0: I don't think as many people do as I wish did. Uh, I always, one of the things that I teach is that, uh, is to make the choice to become a virtuoso. Become a virtuoso. Mm, I love that. Um, and I, in fact, I have an entire TED talk on this. Uh, the I, most, uh, first of all, mastery is not, never an accident. No one is just, born. <laughs> even the most gifted um, savant, okay? Is not born with mastery. They're born with incredible ability. But there has to be a decided point. It's a choice, it, And mm-hmm. so I ask people to make the choice to become a virtuoso. Um, and I also make the point that the opposite of virtuoso, and virtuoso is a master, someone who uh, wakes up in the morning making the choice for excellence so often, it's not even a choice anymore. It's become who you are. And so um, the opposite of virtuoso isn't failure. The opposite to me, the opposite of virtuoso is competent. Mm. There are countless competent people in this world. Uh, There Mm. are precious few virtuosos, but what we find is the greatest impact, the greatest influence, uh, the greatest income uh, happen between competent and virtuoso pursuing that path. And so I make the point that most adults never make this decision. Even people who Mm. are at what they do. They don't make this decision. Instead, they rise to the level of good enough, okay, acceptable, getting by, what's required, rather than personal best, which is what we're talking mm. about. And keep in mind, there are two different levels to this, That, at least in my perception. There's the level of world-class mastery, which is when you get the people that we've all heard of, Serena mm. Williams, you know, the people who are, who are the best at what they do. There's also personal mastery. And for me to be the best I can personally be, might not put me on the world stage, but it'll put me at my personal best. And again, there's a personal satisfaction that comes with that. And so Mm. most adults never make that choice for personal best. Instead they do what's acceptable and okay. Does that make sense? Do you think,
1: yeah, it does. I mean, do you think they don't kind of pursue mastery because they think, well, I, I could never be the Michael Jordan. And they, they, they don't realize that there's that personal level of mastery that they should aim for. And that's just as, you know, that that can be exceptionally rewarding as well.
0: Yes. I think that, yes, I think that can be defeating to think, Oh, oh and we all have that the, sort of the imposter syndrome or the, uh, yeah. or the intimidation that comes from looking at, wow, this person is on this level. There's no way. I can mm. So, uh, and I, I've jokingly said that when I watch somebody play something amazing on the guitar and I go, all right, I'm selling it for firewood, um, <laughs> which is not true, but, um, but, but that's just a fun throwaway. But there, yes, I believe that there are people who get defeated by, yeah. by the intimidation of not thinking that it's possible. And that becomes a lot of mastery. And I know, you know, this, and And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. But it comes down to belief, your personal beliefs about what is possible, what's possible for you, or what you might not know is possible. I think that's Mm -hmm. part part of the key. And this is fun because I'm exploring some things I haven't really thought about. Um, What you might not know is possible because every human, I've never met anyone who isn't capable of more than they think they are. Mm. I've never met anyone who isn't capable more than they think they are because I love that know, statement. Yeah. Um, and so in fact, I need to hold on to that. That's not bad. Um, <laughs> and so w- what we have to work on mastery is first a decision and then it's your work on your beliefs. You know, what are mm. your, what are, beliefs about what's possible. And then it comes down, of course, we're going to get to this, but it'll come down to work ethic. But I don't know. Do you think about that? I mean, when you go to do what you do, which is so good, do you, where do your beliefs about what's possible come in?
1: Well, for me, I have to take a step back because when I didn't understand mastery and I didn't like think of it as a food I've never tasted before, I never knew how amazing it was. And it almost took me, kind of having, first of all, just go, okay, I'm just going to have blind faith for this and go, look, let's just try it. And then by pursuing it and then trying and then getting little glimmers of the benefits or, or some of the benefits coming through, then I was like, Oh man, this is actually amazing. This is incredible. Yeah. And I think that the, the quote that I always think of is the the Steve Martin quote, be so good. They can't ignore you. Right. And to, to me, the undertone of that is mastery. Yes. And the moment I built a little bit of mastery, like you said, just kind of creep into that realm. You go, wow, not many people are playing at this level. And then mastery makes the competition irrelevant. Exactly. exactly. Whereas before I was competing my ass off. Right. And, and then, then when you're exposed to this world and you see it, here's the problem. Cause once you see it, you can't unsee it.
0: But you're so right. And and the great, one of the things that I just noticed from what you said there is, and I've, I've taught this in a different way, but I didn't see it until it, in this light, until you just said it, is that the real competition is with yourself. Once you did mm. the, the real competition is no longer what's out there. It's, it's, it's with yourself. And I imagine that any of the great golfers, any of the great, um, Uh, even business people, uh, even whatever the medium is. uh, If you talk to the greatest, they'll tell you that really who, the one that they're competing with is themselves Mm. to try better what they do, uh, rather than judge what they do or improve or not improve what they do based on others. I I think that that happens in the beginning. I think we all look at some, for you and I look at some speaker who's really good and go, man, I really want to be. Yeah. So we compete on that level. But once you get to a certain level, then you realize, hold it. I'm off blazing my own trail here. I mean, you're blazing your own trail with what you do and you, what you do, I mean, for better, or for worse, there's nobody who does what you do. And so if you want what you do, you come to you. And so you're, you're now, you have no longer, you have kind of left behind the people who were you were kind of competing with in the beginning and you're on that path. I like to think that I may maybe on the same kind of a path. And so it becomes how, how can I personally be better without, without worrying about what others are doing? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I think, I think if people understood what you said there, it's going to help them begin the journey. I think so often we don't begin the pursuit of mastery because we're comparing ourselves to other people and then we feel defeated in the process. You right. know, whereas what, what you're saying is you've, you've got to, this, this is about you. This is you versus you, you know, and, and in a way that makes it easier to start because if I just have to be better than I was yesterday and let's say I learned a new instrument, that's easier than if I wanted to be better than Mike Rayburn. Right. So, it, it, it makes it easier to start. So we kind of just dis- discussed what mastery is and what are the barriers for, for people to begin their journey in mastery. I, I feel like the, the next question that I'm most interested in is in your world, in the world of music, and then how do we translate that to everybody else? But how do you achieve mastery? Like, Let's get to the how to, right? I'm going
0: to be a contrarian here and people say, well, you can be whatever you want to be. It's just about your, that's not true. You cannot be, to, <laughs> there's no way in the world that I could be a good accountant. I just couldn't, <laughs> I might have the math skills, but I don't Oh not a Okay, there There are things that you then could not be good at,
1: or great at. Yeah, can't be a doctor, can't be an accountant, or a lawyer, no.
0: Okay, there you go, there you go. Now, you, but, so the first step to mastery is finding something that you are, are Absolutely gifted with, and absolutely passionate about. Uh, and there are things that I am gifted with that I am not passionate about. For instance, math. Mm. I'm good at math, and I hate math. Um, mm. There are things that I am passionate about, and I'm not very good at. Um, I am passionate about endurance sports, cycling, running, and I'm decent at it. But and, but I'm flat-footed as well. So that's God's way of saying, learn what you can, from but that's not your goal. That's not your. Goal. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> nobody's going to uh, lose to me um, in that area. But when I found guitar, a, a combination of guitar, performance, and then this is the part that people don't, because they've noticed the guitar, they they lose this part, but exhortation or um uh, personal development. Uh, somebody once said, "I was probably 30 years old before I realized this. Uh, maybe a little older." So, uh, we were talking about it was a little group that had gotten together. And we were talking about each person's gifts and talents. Mm. And I, well, my gifts music and and uh, performance and comedy. And and somebody said, "Well, Mike, this is a very close friend, so he knew me well." And he said, "Mike, I think your gift is exhortation." And I said, <laughs> "What's that? <laughs> i never never heard the word." And he said. I mean, I'll give you the definition in a second, but he said, it matters to you that the people around you do better. Mm. And I almost cried because he nailed it and I didn't even realize it. And so it, it does, it matters to me. I need to know that what I'm doing is somehow informing and uplifting, teaching, edifying others, is it, 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 that people benefit from it. Mm. Which is why when my dad gave me, it was no accident, in, I think from God's level, not my dad's, that my dad gave me the book Psycho-Cybernetics when I was in 11th grade. Uh, So I'm in high school, that's heady reading for, it's about belief, the power of the mind, the power of focus, the power of believing something strong enough that it becomes reality. And this is 11th grade, I'm reading this stuff. And so I realized that that combination of music, comedy or performance and uh, um, personal development, exhortation, Those were all, I didn't even know what a speaker was. I didn't until a friend of mine said, you're clean, you're funny, you have a message, you're a speaker and you don't even know it. And I, I, what's a speaker, you know? And so I believe the first step is to identify what you're great at and what you um, love.
1: So do do you feel like, do you feel like people always come up with the excuse of saying to you, well, I'm not good at anything. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I'm just not good at anything. Yeah. What do you say to that? Um, excuse me, but bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so you called them out on it. I like it. Yeah, and
0: I call, I call. Excuse me for saying. Should, I shouldn't have spoken that way. Um, but but <laughs> I, I say it that way because I want the edge there. I want someone to take an edge that because it's freaking not true. My book is called What If, and the first sentence of the entire book is, "You are a genius." Mm. And I'm out of motivational speak or rah rah, because I don't believe in that I say it because it's demonstrably true we're all genius but we're all genius in a different way and quite often our area of genius first of all was probably it might have been laughed at or just not accepted and so we went whoa can't do that and we mm. thought well, we'll be like everyone else and what we find is that your greatest impact influence and income will come from how you are different and so uh, your area of genius and qu- also uh, like for me uh, your genius might be a combination of things that others don't have. And that's, that's what it is for me. And I would say it's probably what it is for you as well. But, uh, my, for instance, I am not the best guitarist in the world. I am not the best comedian in the world and I'm not the best speaker in the world. However, I'm the greatest freaking combination of the three of them. Now Mm -hmm. I might, only combination of the three of them and that's fine okay but but i i that's me and that's my expertise That's my genius and uh, i ask people questions like uh what is it that you and you alone can do or what is it and i, I want you, i want people to think on that of course i would sit down with a piece of paper and an hour and your favorite beverage and light a candle and write what <laughs> it is that you and you alone can do and then the same question phrased differently is what is it that you do better than anyone on this planet
1: right because people are thinking it in kind of uh, they're thinking it with a singular mind they think it, it's one thing that i'm going to be good at but what you're saying is, it's the combination of things that makes you a genius right. not one single thing
0: right and I've, I've, listened to your, hmm. I've listened to your presentation and i've watched you and your genius is not just your message and it's certainly not i mean i, I say certainly meaning i yeah. you're not there you're oh, not great. there to an illusionist um you're going to use that but you're yeah. going to use it in an expert and masterful way that will reach people that no one else can reach i mean people there are people there might you, you and i might look at our presentations and think oh look we both teach this or we both teach this but you're going to teach it in a way that no one else could hear that some there's somebody out there who can only hear it from you in that way and yeah the same thing true for me. And so anyway, I I, I believe that uh, everyone does have a genius and it's just, sometimes it's a combination.
1: But, but I love the clarity that you provided just now is that so many, I I think again, a huge block for people is that they go, well, I'm not good at any one thing. However, the, the insight that you just so eloquently provided us is that it's the combination of things. And this is why I think a lot of young people struggle with this because you don't have multiple things to pull from just yet. You know, like it's so important that you go and and, and gather these different ingredients so that when you bring them together, you create something truly unique. And, and it's okay that you're not good at anything yet because you're still young, right? I think that's something people struggle with.
0: Yes. And there's two uh, uh, adages of mastery that have to do with the number 10. Uh, sort of the number 10 or divisible, um, Gross. one that when you find that it usually takes 10 years of exploration where you're, mm. under, it usually yeah. in studying masters is even Mozart, you listen to the things he did at a very young age. You know, you're listening to a symphony and you oh, he composed that at seven and for real. <laughs> wow. Now when you look at that symphony and it doesn't change the world. It's Mozart, but it's Mozart before we became Mozart, okay? It was his Mm -hmm. development period. So there's usually, it's it's obviously going to vary, but it's usually a 10-year development period that almost everyone who becomes a master goes Mm. through where they're not a master where they're exploring, where they're trying. You see this with Stevie Ray Vaughan, who's my all time favorite guitarist, where he went through a period where he's learning this, playing in these blues clubs, and then he's trying to emulate. He could sit there and sound exactly like Clapton. He could sound exactly like Hendrix. He could sound exactly like, uh, you know, whomever he wanted to. But it wasn't until after those years of doing that, that his own style emerged. And that's when he became, he changed the world of, of guitarist. And so we find that. So that's the one divisible attempt. And the other one is, uh, Is uh, the famous in the in the book Outliers? Um, Yeah, it's about the ten thousand hours. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ten thousand hours to be um, to become a master of anything. I will generally agree with that, with one really important caveat, and that is the difference between ten thousand hours of practice versus deliberate practice. Right. Uh, The difference there is. Practice, I mean, I could pick up the guitar and play 12 hours a day, but if I'm simply going over solos, I enjoy playing the things I like, going over songs, uh, trying something that I heard here, whatever, in a haphazard way or just in a way that makes me feel good for 12 hours or just whatever, Mm. I'm putting in the hours, but I'm really not getting anywhere. That's practice. Deliberate practice is where you're focusing on what number one is your greatest opportunity and number one is your greatest need to improve number two <laughs> greatest need to improve when i practice um uh i i will make a point of of looking for first is one of the pieces that i play that's i don't know how many people in the world can play it but only very few play it on a guitar and that is bohemian rhapsody as a classical piece <laughs> Nice. And, uh, so all the parts are coming out of one instrument, I don't even sing it, so it's all coming out of the instrument. And it took a freaking long time to get, um, and there are certain passages, certain areas, that are still challenges to this day. I practice those a heck of a lot more than I practice the rest of the piece, because the rest of the piece, mm-hmm. but there's certain parts, I mean, I can explain them, but it's not worth it. Um, there's certain parts I know are more difficult. So the people who become masters are the ones who focus on what, focus on the area of their expertise that needs work.
1: See, but and that that's, that's such a that's such a almost a, a foreign way of looking at practice for for many people because practice that, that means practice is painful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes no yes it is
1: painful. But
0: yes it can I'm shouldn't say it is. It can be painful. Yes. And you show me any uh uh world class athlete who said, no, yeah. not, well, no, they all know it's painful. They know they were yeah, uncomfortable, slathering and hurting and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's what it takes. Uh, but, um, well, there's also, there's a satisfaction to it, but yeah. one of the, I have a good friend who made an observation and he made it about me. So I, I'll just share, I'm, I'm, I humbly share that he said this to me. That was, I feel it was a, uh, a compliment, but it was mm. an observation I hadn't known. He said, he said, I know why you're good. And I said, okay, I'm listening. He said, you fell in love with practicing. Hmm. And I went, you're so, I love to practice. I look forward. (laughs) I wish I could just do nothing but practice. I got too many other things to do. Really? Uh,
1: That's crazy. I I wish I could practice all the time. How did you fall in love with doing what's hard? Well, I'm passionate about, Oh, and hard is
0: not actually, I don't know maybe I'm different. I, I know you're probably the same way, but, um, it almost has to have a challenge to it or be hard for me or I I don't want it. I I'm not, yeah. I'm not bored with it. Uh, look, but you look back, there is almost nothing in your life that you're proud of. That was easy. Mm. That's yeah, true. That you were yeah. proud of. When I look back at the things I'm proud of having done the first, hologram performance of uh, on stage with Beethoven's fifth symphony. I did a duet with myself and I was a hologram and all this. Wow. Um, That was the closing of the uh, 2014 um, uh, NSA conference uh, in San Diego. And so i no one had ever done it. I I love to do things. No one's ever done. I
1: I feel like the reason. Yeah. I mean, in, in what you're saying, you love it because you know what it brings, you know, the feeling that it brings once you have practiced it and you've gotten good at it. You know, I think, I think a lot of people just, again, are unaware of the benefits of mastery. And, and it's just inspiring to hear you talk about it. And, and I think the, the question that I really want to ask you, Mike, is if, if I'm an accountant or I'm an electrician or I'm, some, I'm a sales rep for a drug company, how do I apply mastery there? I mean, I understand deliberate practice, but how does it translate to the professional world? Well, you know, for people who aren't, aren't in our world, you know, of, of practicing magic or practicing music.
0: Right. Practicing magic or practicing music. We get that. And so our challenge, the reason we have a career is what we do is we translate that to business every day. And yeah. so, yes. So, uh, how's that cha- uh, translate? It translates in every way you can do it. Um, it, it uh, so I look at, I, at the end, I ask people to make, to do an exercise mm. uh, with if I can do my full presentation now, I'm talking about becoming a virtuoso. I ask them to do an exercise. and I, I don't have time in a keynote to do it, but in a workshop I would, uh, where I say, I want you to write this question at the top of a piece of paper and then answer it. The question is, what would it take for me to become a virtuoso? I ask people to do this exercise and I say, I'll guarantee you three things about it. If you'll do this exercise, number one, it probably won't take you more than about 10 minutes. And that's because <laughs> number two, You already know the answers. Most of us know exactly what we need to do, and we just don't do it.
1: Yeah, Uh,
0: And I believe that. So true.
1: Yeah, Yeah. me too.
0: And so so it's like, hey, well, let's quit keeping them out here, put them on paper, and do them. And number three, it'll change your life. And it doesn't mean that you're gonna be, you know, type A, 24 hours a day. I don't think that's mastery
1: or success. It's simply saying, my time is worth it. Yeah, but this is this is the thing that, that I feel is that during this whole pandemic, I think what's become extremely apparent, Mike, is that people who are virtuosos are the people who are still relevant. Like in <laughs> in in times of in times of comfort and ease, then sure, you can get away with average. You can get away with satisfactory. But d- during a time of an emergency or a pandemic, like we are right now, then the average starts to sink to the bottom. And the only thing that stands out is, are the masters, Correct. you know? And I, and I think that that's clearly one of the benefits that I hope as people listen to you, they start to realize is that again, Steve Martin, right? Be so good. They can't ignore you. If you're going to do it anyway, be so damn good at it that people can't ignore you. Exactly. And you, you're recession proof, your pandemic proof. If you do this,
0: one of the things That's, I said about for speakers is the pandemic was a chance to find out how many of us, number one, walk or talk.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Number two, have talk worth walking. <laughs>
1: I can tell you now that right at the beginning of the pandemic, it, it shoved me on my face, and I was like, "Damn, I, I, I'm." It's so hard to walk the talk right now because things are so hard. So, it really, did put all of us to to the test. On the topic of before, you know, how do we build mastery? Like, I th- thank you for the answer. It just gave so much insight, even for me. You know, insight I haven't thought about before as well. And I, I just wanted to ask you: Do you, do you think what about self awareness? Though, what what if there are people who think to themselves, oh I'm, I'm already great at this," uh, you know? H- how do we how do how do we approach that? You know, I mean, I know I, know I fell victim to that in the water magic. I was like, oh, I'm already really good, and until someone you know cared enough and told me in a tender way, a very tender way, that no, you're not, mate, you're, you're kind of crap. So, how do you build that self awareness, or do you need other people, or can you build your own self awareness? Or
0: well, you got that from self. You got we get self awareness from outside our self awareness <laughs> from people. <laughs> You know, I had one time where I did a program for, it used to be called ING Corporation, they're not FOIA. And uh, I did a program for them in Minneapolis. Mm. Uh, Standing ovation, encore, sold every piece of, you know, CDs, books and everything that I brought with me. So two standing ovations, everything. And the woman who booked me me, sat down with me afterwards and I'm like sitting down to get my due accolades. And she said these words to me, I'll never forget it. She said, Mike, that was good. Let me tell you how you can be great. And I was like, "Uh, what she did was she pointed out a part of my program Mm. that was slow. And as soon as she said it, I knew it. I knew she was right. And the audience was way more forgiving. But if you just go by the audience, that's not a full, it's good indicator, but it's not the full indicator. And so she was right. So once I improved that, my show got that much better. So I think it's a kiss of death to think that you are the master. I consider myself, I um, I don't think that I am a virtuoso, but I have made the choice to be on that path. And I know a lot about the path, that's what I teach. Mm. I don't always, th- I don't think that I am. And I have other people say, I have People I have people say that I am, I've had others say maybe I'm not. And so I don't, uh, you know, I don't think of myself, but I think that when we start to think that, yeah it's kind of the kiss of death it's, kind of, uh, well,
1: it's it's like that paradox right the moment the master stops being a student the master is no longer a master so it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of strange paradox you have to continue to be a student in order to be a master it's just it's, it's such a strange paradox yeah well, and uh, Robert Fripp
0: you know who's who's Patricia Fripp's sister Patricia Fripps one of the greatest speakers in the world uh, Robert Fripp is one of the greatest guitarists in the world he's on rolling hmm. Stone list of the top 100 guitarists of all time and uh i studied with him and i studied with him over i went over to Spain and stayed with him for a week in a monastery it was very rude um oh, no. but uh he made a point and this is a guy who's one of the i mean rolling stone calls him one of the hundred best there has ever been
1: right and
0: he said you are a teacher you have a teacher and you are a teacher always
2: hmm.
0: You are a teacher and you have a teacher Always. So we're always helping those who are coming up or helping those around us who are peers. Like you and I help each other. We're peers. We can help each other. Uh, Yeah. And you're always learning from someone.
1: Mm.
0: And if you lose that, then you're not...
1: That's such, such a great ingredient. I, I love that. And, and again, I, I just, again, I, I really think that, like you said, that self-awareness is so important and we can only get that self-awareness from an external uh, kind of perspective of awareness. So, you know, regardless of what industry you, you, you're in, those of you listening to this, I think it's very important to build that self-awareness because that, that then lights a bit of a fire under your ass to go, let's find that teacher. Yes. Because that's what we need to be able to pursue mastery. Right, love And, and
0: it, it might be a group of
1: teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I find kind of keeps me in check is by always having a teacher in my life, you exactly. know, and, and uh, I love it. Thank, thank you for providing that. And, and, and something really cool that I've, I've just got here and in the world of magic, this is something we use, right? We, we, use, a, we use a three-way mirror Right. So this, this is a three-way mirror to help us build self-awareness. And, and, and no matter what we do, even as speakers, we film ourselves to build self-awareness. So I think that that self-awareness ingredient is such a critical element when it comes to mastery.
0: What do you, you, you give self-awareness, they like, can feedback. However, we can get yeah. feedback. Come in that yeah. line, give feedback, uh, well, if you were at my program, I would ask you afterwards, "What do you think?" What? what and and you'd probably be very gracious to say, "Hey, good program." Hey, I just maybe you think about this, you know. And I, I, we need to become sponges for that. What gets in the way of mass Ego can find yeah. mastery, but can also keep it. It's it's a it's a double edged sword. It's it's got well, two sides.
1: And I also think what's really interesting is most people are afraid to tell us the truth though. Most people are afraid to, to tell us how we can improve. I often tell this to, to you know, to, to the younger people that I sometimes speak to. I say to them, the five closest people to you, they know how you can improve. They're just afraid to tell you because they're afraid to hurt your feelings. So I think learning how to create a safe environment to seek feedback and make sure you seek feedback from the right people as well. Don't just ask random people. If you ask the random audience how you can improve as a speaker, you may get a mixed bag of beans, right? So, So to me, who you ask and learning how to create a very safe environment so that you can learn how to improve. Because again, the secrets to you unlocking the next trajectory in your life, the closest people to you around you, they tend to know. They're just not telling you.
0: Exactly. Which is where I am such a proponent of mastermind groups because I mean, mm, yes, uh, mastermind groups where you know each other, you get to know each other. So it's a, it's becomes a regular thing. Yeah. It's each other And, and you, and you know, you have each other's backs. I'm in one yeah. called, called M6. There's six of us, uh, Dan Thurman, Tim Gard, Walter Waldman, Chad Hymus um, Dan Burris and me. And, uh, and, and just those, just to, if I would just sit, as a fly on the wall, listen, those five talk, okay? Because I would benefit from it. But when they, you know, they've got your back, you know, they love you, you know, that they're, they, you know, that they would never say something to cut you down. They don't need the ego act, you know, they're not in that ego trip of having to put others down so they feel better about themselves. They're yeah. simply helping you get better. That's an environment you want. That's, that's where mastery mm. can be fostered and nurtured and watered and grown.
1: That's again another ingredient that's necessary as you move towards mastery: a safe environment and a group of people who who love and who want to see you succeed.
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's two other uh, points to make sure that we get into this that I think that are, as I was preparing for this that I wanted to share uh, about mastery. Um, hmm. Mastery growth toward mastery is always greater focus on detail. Uh, it's always greater focus on detail when you're in the beginning of something, you learn the general way it works and you just find a way, you know, if you're learning to play American football, um, uh, you learn how to throw the ball, how to catch the ball, how to you know run with the ball. You don't learn that you're not learning the little, the little details. Mm. As you get further and further along in your growth, no matter what it is, um, you're getting, you get, you have greater and greater focus on detail. So right mm. now, I might play all the notes of a piece correctly, but I listen to the way this passage worked with this passage, or the way, um, or, or the, maybe the little buzz I had on the strings and the frets, or um, maybe I've altered the tempo in a way I shouldn't have done, these tiny little details. And mm-hmm. those are what I need to work on. And so our perspective gets more and more microscoped.
2: Mm. And
0: so as you get better, at, as you get as speakers, we will now, I mean, when you start, you're just trying to memorize your speech, you're trying to get up there and say something to hope people make some impact or whatever. But as you get better and better at it, as you get, as you get deeper into this and more time into it, then you realize, hold it. When mm-hmm. I step over to, when I look away at this, or, or, or hey, I've, I've got this little tendency, I keep looking to the right more than I look to the left. Or, you know, there's little details that you do that become important to see. For instance, I have a tendency to speak too quickly. And so once I realized I can slow down, I started studying comedians like Ron White who speaks impossibly slowly but you know but those little details so whatever career it is as you get better at accounting as you get better at engineering as you get better at computers as you get better at sales sales is a detail thing you get simple details can make or break a sale but in the beginning it's just like do i know my product how am i presenting to them what what, what am i supposed to say here you know once you get into it more you realize about the the connection and the yeah. the relationship and the little details that might help that person make a decision you know what i'm saying
1: Yeah, no, there's there's so many kind of common threads between your world and my world. And I think even the world, like you said, of in the professional world, as magicians, we have to learn sleight of hand first, the general sleight of hand. And then we call the area of specificity that you talk about, the microscope, we call it subtleties. So then magicians learn this little subtlety, the art of subtleties can actually make this trick turn into a piece of astonishing magic. And that often is the difference between... Again, a trick and then an astonishing moment. Yes. And the difference okay. is in the subtleties.
0: Yes. And, and, uh, and what we're both saying is that this is true for any career. It's true, it for, is. Any, it's true for parenting. It's, yeah. true, uh, yeah. anything that matters. it's true for your health. Um, it's true. It's true at anything that really matters. It, that if you want to become a master at it, it is a greater focus on detail. And yeah, it really is. I think the other the other thing that I wanted to share is something that I call I don't I think I named it this I don't think anybody told me this but I call it the law of diminishing returns. Um, hmm. As you get better, it takes more to achieve less. <laughs> um, so as you get and and you have to embrace this point, okay? Because what happens is in the beginning I can pay a coach to help me in speaking. And they, they give me all these ideas. I go, wow, this is great. I changed this thing and did whatever. As you get really good, you're paying a coach to help you make one little change. Mm. But those who are masters embrace that fact and they still do what that work is to get that, all that work to get that little bit better. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. absolutely, And then you put it in such an inspiring way, you know, thank you for revealing that world to us in such an intimate way, because I think often people don't pursue mastery because A, they don't understand it. B again, no one speaks to the benefit of it in the way that you just, just have. It, I hope people feel excited because yeah. it's a whole new world.
0: Yeah. I have to, I have to you know, like keep my nerd side in check here because I get this. <laughs> And uh, I get into. It. I'm like, this is so good. I This is why I need to teach this mastermind. Uh, teach, I say teach. It's going to be teach and sharing. But um, I want to teach this mastermind because I get into it, and I, I think that I I lose people. You know, I think people are going no.
1: I don't think you're losing people. I think I think your your excitement comes through, and and your dedication towards your own craft, and also your passion for teaching people this. I think is it's shining through, Mike. And 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 I, what I love about just our our call now and our, our kind of chat now is that. I mean, I, I believe I pursue mastery and you've excited me to, to also continue the path of mastery as well, because you're right. It's the little things now at our level that makes the biggest difference. And I think for most people, like again, hear Mike out. If you can become a virtuoso in your space, you're going to become so good that <laughs> your your customers and your clients they can't ignore you and it no longer becomes should i work with mike it's a how do i get to work with mike right and when you get to play again in that arena yes it's a and different it world and it's also you were talking about freaking job security
0: Yeah, bro. There you go. What you do, because that's one of those things where if you're the best at what you do or, or one of the best, if you're Mm. up on that level and your boss or your organization is your clients are not treating you the way that you want, you'll find some others because they'll want you. People desire mastery. They don't desire mediocrity.
1: I was reading, I was reading the book on Netflix and, and one of the tests they do on Netflix is they, they, you know, they say, well, if this employee is thinking about leaving, would I fight for them to stay? <laughs> and, and I think you've, you know, all of us have to ask ourselves that question, right? If, yeah, if, if we wanted to leave, you know, Karen, who's our beautiful manager, who, who helps us manage our entire business, if we wanted to leave, would she fight for us to stay? And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you are a virtuoso in what you do and you're in your company, if you wanted to leave, would they fight for you? And I think if you are a virtuoso, hell yeah, they're gonna fight for you. But again, if you're just average, they'll probably be like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You leave. <laughs> Mike, do, do you have any concluding thoughts on mastery? If, if people are kind of, again, again, I, I just think that if you tasted this, you can't go back. But this is, for, this is the message. Do you have a message to send to those people who have never tasted this before and you're trying to convince them this is the best food in the world? <laughs> what oh, would yeah. you say?
0: Oh, I was like sushi for me. I was like raw fish, no freaking way. (laughs) And right now, and somebody said, Mike, you trust me, right? I said, trust me, I know you, you're going to love this. And so I did. And now right now it's my all time favorite meal. Yesterday was my birthday and I had sushi for dinner. Um, Oh, wow. It's like like, whatever that greatest meal is. I'm glad you came up with that analogy. That's what mastery is. And keep in Mm. mind, what i think here's here my ted talk uh called uh become a life virtuoso which is mm. uh i call it because another way to say it is master what matters um is we all get what it means to become a master the importance of becoming a master in our career and that's what the the realm that you and i have spoken about the the medium in which we we've spoken about this mm. but really I thought, well, who am I to teach, It well, was a point about three or four years into my doing this, where I thought, who am I to teach this about my career and not apply it to the things that matter more, like being a father, my health, my spirituality, uh, mm-hmm. my finances. So it's really that same question, what would it take to become a virtuoso in, in whatever the other career is? Um, the other thing is, what would it become for me to become a, a virtuoso father?
2: A yeah
0: so in my relationship a virtuoso have virtuoso health and so it's yeah. really yeah. mastery is about not because it's not about being great at everything it's not about being good at everything it's about being great at the most important things mm. and that yeah, there is enough time for that
1: no and then and, and mike thanks so much again i i absolutely love it i, I you've inspired me and and you know it's not not that that's hard to do it's it's but it's just I've been doing this for a long time and you've kind of sparked that inspiration in me So thanks Mike thanks for joining us uh, thanks everyone for listening really appreciate you joining us for this podcast between two speakers
0: Mike and Vin have been virtuosos in their respective areas for years. It's been a real treat to hear them ignite inspiration in one another and in us. They leave us with the footprint for becoming a master. When you look back, there's almost nothing in your life that you're proud of that was easy. Growth is uncomfortable because you've never been here before. Keep growing.